When coronavirus first burst into our consciousness three to four weeks ago, I was felt called to lead, step up and do something of service. And the most immediate thing that came to me was going back to all the great guests that I've spoken to over the last three years, guests who have points of views, knowledge, wisdom, expertise, tools and techniques that can help us during this time in all the different facets of life. And when I drew that list up, right at the top was Mr. Peter Sage, who is today's conversation. In this conversation, Peter provokes you to educate yourself and, make and ask better questions right now. Because as Peter says, there's a high probability that you're breathing in stupid gas, unknowingly, unwillingly, but you're making strange assumptions and we're, cut, we're all being unconsciously herded like a flock of sheep. And the key mechanism, the key mechanism that's at play here is fear. So Peter and I invite you to listen spaciously to this conversation and then observe what sits well and what triggers you. And then for you to go and do your own research and come to your own conclusion so you can make your own conscious decision. In this conversation, Peter goes into the biology of fear, the physiology of fear and the psychology of fear. The actual mechanisms of how we get ill and how we fall from well-being. Why the true threat to you right now isn't the coronavirus, but the media and the narrative that's being pumped out and what that's actually doing to you. And we also look into the two key stats upon which this whole coronavirus narrative is built. And we also go into a lot, lot more. Just to be clear, Peter and I didn't record this conversation just to bring about another level of fear not at all. We are both very pro-human, pro-health, and that is what we're about here, provoking you to make your own decisions so that you can be more pro-human and pro-your own health. Peter finishes out the conversation by suggesting, with the greatest of empathy to those that are suffering, that in the bigger scale of things, this may well just be the best thing that's ever happened to us. And I think deep down, a lot of us are becoming to realize that as we come out of the patterns and the routines that we were trapped in before. Peter suggests that this is a great opportunity to wake up to the fear-fueled agendas and the establishments that pump those out so that we can become more sensitive and hold them to account. He also suggests it's an invitation to wake up to what it really means to be a human. Now, currently there is little out there that I'm seeing in terms of discussions and, and people holding space for discussions to entertain these sorts of topics and discussion facts and, and just to provoke this type of education. And certainly those who've been holding space have been drawing quite a lot of attention to themselves this week. And I'll leave you to work that out for yourself. Therefore, I ask you, because I think it's absolutely important and necessary that we start to think and make some bigger, better conscious decisions at this point in time, that if this resonates with you, please share it out. I've also included the Zoom link with this as well, in case you want to download it, in case anything should happen to this recording. I also invite you, if you do feel called or you are triggered by this, to please reach out. I'm happy to talk about it. I send this podcast with the greatest of love and the greatest of faith in the greatness of humanity. So please 
Enjoy, Peter. Hello and welcome back to WA Real. I'm your host, Bryn Edwards. WA Real follows the oldest form of learning, that of listening to the stories and experience of those around us. Why is that? So we can find ourselves in these real stories. Today's guest is a returning guest. He was with me just over a year ago, episode 80. International and serial entrepreneur, author, philosopher, teacher, Mr. Peter Sage, welcome back to the show. Brian, what a pleasure. Great to be back on. It really and is. And great to see the growth of WA Real over the last year as well. It's been awesome to watch. Thank you very, very much. Um, it's a massive pleasure to have you back on the show because, like I said, the first time you're here, you're definitely one of the people who are one of my go to people when it comes to uh, mindset and where I need to be at the moment. So, just out of interest, I introduced you as like serial entrepreneur, author, philosopher, teacher. How do you describe yourself for those who've not? <laughs> it's a great, uh, a great question because, yeah, our sense of identity governs so much of what we do unconsciously, mm. and so I'm very conscious as how I choose my identity. Uh, yeah. For example, you know, if you see yourself as a parent in some scenarios, you're going to act differently to seeing yourself as a sibling in other scenarios. So our identity governs a lot of different modes that we operate in. And our profession, our professional identity is always uh, something that really has an impact on how we show up and what decisions we make. So for many years, I saw myself or introduced myself, I was an, I was an entrepreneur, I was a serial entrepreneur, an extreme entrepreneur. That's what I did. I've had you know 20 odd startups. Yeah, some have failed majestically, some have been global success stories, and that's what I do, I'm an entrepreneur. And I was an entrepreneur first, and I was a speaker, teacher second. And over the last you know, two to three years, I've swapped those roles around. I now see myself as a teacher first, and kind of a, you know, right now I'm running a business on that side, kind of second, but my identity has shifted very much now. People ask what I do, I say, I'm a teacher. That's, that's kind of uh, how I encapsulate it. A teacher of what, Peter? Uh, usually human potential. Brilliant. Uh, I mean, I, I specialize in human behavior, understanding the reasons why we do what we do, which most people have never been taught and causes all sorts of challenges, both in the mirror and into in per, interpersonal communication. But yeah, if we can figure out the person in the mirror, then we stand a much better chance of playing the game of life with a smile rather than a frown. Mm. Mm. I'm going to dig into that more in a minute. So just out of interest, where are you now? You're in Tenerife. Uh, I'm based here in my home in Tenerife. I'm here in my office. And yes, one of the, the sunny Canary Islands uh, on joining uh, most of the world on a uh, deciding to have a quiet night in. Yes. And um, what is it like there at the moment in this coronavirus uh, climate? Oh my God, you said the C word. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've got to be exceptionally honest with you. I don't really know because I do not underline, do not watch mainstream media. Yeah. yeah. And I actually, it's funny because I put a video out on my channel this week called Why the Media Want to Make You Miserable. Now, I recorded it a month before anybody had heard of the C word. And yeah. I recorded it back in the yeah, last year. And it just got edited and put out as part of the, 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 the queue of the videos I try to help and educate people with. But I go into a lot of detail on there, which we'll probably touch on in this uh, call as well. But yeah, the predominant mood mindset from the people that I do interact with is kind of a mix. You know, I, I put a very controversial video out three weeks ago yeah. when I was 
are somewhat playing down the whole corona thing as it started to this is before most of the world was on lockdown yeah and yeah. people were just starting to you know go crazy after uh, about buying toilet paper yeah, yes. because of a virus that doesn't even give you diarrhea. Super early stages of it. That kind of stuff. But, um, uh, and I said, listen, here's my prediction on how it'll go. This thing will hit its stride in the next 30 to 45 days, at which time the people will start asking better questions and start turning on the media uh, because of the total fear-based agenda that's been driving this. And I gave a prediction as to what would happen after that. And everything I've seen day by day at the minute points exactly in line with how I saw this playing out. Now, that's not me trying to say, hey, look at me, I'm right. I'm, I'm more than open to standing corrected. I've got no ego strokes needed to, to say, hey, told you so, that's, that's juvenile posturing. Uh, but educating people to ask better questions is what I've been about. Because yeah, most of the people around, most of the people in the world right now have spent the last several weeks with the greatest will in the world breathing stupid gas yeah that's not a an imposition it's not a judgment it's a biological fact uh it's a metaphor but it's a biological fact when you understand the role that fear plays on intelligence yeah when you fear rises upon that yes yeah, certainly when fear rises when cortisol rises in the body intelligence drops because the front part of the brain that is the executive seat the crowning you know, seat of human biology the neocortex frontal lobe which is responsible for making executive based intelligent rational decisions shuts down and there's a reason for that and this is all part of the evolutionary masterpiece because when you go into a fight or flight situation when you have stress hormones two very important things uh, or biological uh, effects happen that will have a serious impact on what this corona fiasco has become and one of them is the front part of the brain shuts down. We've all said and done stupid things that we later regret when we're angry or scared. Yeah, so we can all relate to that. Yeah, because the front part of the brain squeezes out the blood and it moves your attention and your uh, actions over to the mid and the rear brain to work off reflex. And that's because when you're in a fight, you don't want access to critical thinking. Because if you don't say, hang on, is that tiger sort of pouncing on its sort of waiting on its left leg or its right? Which side? Yeah. Too late. Your lunch. Yeah. Is it male? Is it female? Reflex. No. Bang. You, you, work, you work off reflex. And if you speak to any top level martial artist, you'll see that there's two types. You'll see many stories of people that practice conscious competence, which means you've mastered it with the front of your brain. And then they freeze and get beaten up in a street fight. And then you have people that have mastered unconscious competence. In other words, the patterns of the ganglia and the neural connections are patterned into the midbrain and therefore they act off reflex and it's all in flow. They don't have to think about it. Yeah, the classic line from the original Top Gun way back, you remember that one, Ren? Yes. Yeah, where yes. Kelly McGillis says, oh, what were you thinking? And Tom Cruise turns around and says, no, you don't get it. If you think, you're dead. Dead, yes. Yeah, it's, it's reflex. So when you get scared, two things happen. The first is the front part of the brain shuts down and you go into a fear-based response based, that doesn't include intelligence at the level that it does when you're not scared. That's fact number one. And you'll see how that plays out uh, very shortly. The second thing that's more worrying is that when you have stress hormones in the body, your immune system shuts down. Yeah. 
which is why they give stress hormones as the first thing to organ transplant patients to stop their own immune system from rejecting the organ because it crashes the immune system immediately. And again, part of the biological masterpiece and intelligence because a, your body contains right now at this second, upwards of 4 trillion with a T viruses and equal amount of bacteria. You have yeah. way more, four times more bacteria and viruses in your body than you do cells. Particularly around and the gut biome. Yeah, and we live happily ever after. I mean, if we're designed that way, it's a symbiotic relationship. And the reason that we don't suddenly die of a trillion plus viruses in a heartbeat is because of our immune system, which prevents any of those, you know, let's call them you know, enemy soldiers from getting past the gates of the fort. Yeah. All of that is a mountain. Because we've got an incredibly powerful army standing guard, and it keeps everything in check. Now, it does take a fair bit of energy to keep that in place. I mean, next they're running the brain, which has first dibs on glucose and takes up, you know, 20% of the energy of the body or 20% of the glucose, even though it's like 1 50th of the body weight. And next to digestion, which takes a huge amount because it's required to actually take, get that energy from food, the immune system ranks pretty up there in terms of how much energy it takes to maintain. Yeah. So if we get stress hormones released, it's from an evolutionary perspective, it's never really been because we're having an argument with the boss. It's never because, you know, we're worried about the mortgage. It's because A, there's a tiger in front of us or the marauding bandits from the next village are mobilizing to attack. Yep. And so what the body does is, whoa, external threat. And in order to deal with the external threat, which is usually anywhere solved or dealt with anywhere between 20 minutes and 30 minutes, running away from a perceived threat or engaging in a fight, then it mobilizes energy that is not critical, which includes your immune system. So it pulls all of the energy. Your body stops repairing itself. It stops going into homeostasis. It draws all of that energy. They squeeze the, um, uh, the, the vascular system around the organs and push the blood to the extremities because now you need to hit somebody with a, a muscled arm, not yep. a lung, right? Oh, let me hit you with my kidney. No, it's like everything else, go on hold right now. We are going red alert. We're pulling all of that energy to mobilize against an external threat. Because if we don't handle that, there may not be anything left to, to deal with internally, right? Because you'll be, yeah. you'll be, so it makes sense. But here's the thing. If you go into fear for 20, 30 minutes, no problem. All of the enemy soldiers inside the body don't have enough time to take hold. And the immune system then goes back, the soldiers go back to standing on the gate. But if you experience chronic fear, day after day, night after night, you are stressed out of your brains, your immune system is in free fall, and all of those viruses, which science calls opportunistic organisms, that's their term. Why? Because they're waiting for the opportunity for the soldiers to no longer be on the gate before they scale the wall. Yes. And so we see a lot more illnesses now, not based upon somebody catching some microbe, but on the trillions that were already inside you waiting for the opportunity for your immune system to be put through the floor, which is essentially what the media has engineered over the last month. Hmm. In, your, in that training that you put out at the start, I remember you saying it's not so much the germs, it's the receptor of the germs. Or 100%. The You've, you've got trillions of viruses inside you. One of the one externally is not going to make any difference. 
Yeah. What will make the difference is how good your immune system is at being able to deal with it. Yeah. So if you're systematically compromising your defense system, then whether it's the C virus or any of the other 500 C viruses, yeah, there's over 500 strains of Corona, yeah. or anything else that happens to be, yeah, you've got millions of cancer cells inside you right now. It doesn't bother you. It's never going to turn into a tumor because your NK cells and your T cells all keep it in check. Providing you're not running around in a fear-based bubble that has very little basis in fact. Yeah. I'm sorry to say, because this has very little basis in fact, and I'm happy to drill down on that without... Yeah, I, I made a very controversial statement on, a, on another interview, and again, I'm very happy to be proven wrong, but when the dust settles on this thing in the next few weeks, and it's just starting to unravel now as people start stop breathing stupid gas and start asking better questions, then this will most likely go down in history as the greatest hoax ever played on humanity. Now, that's not taking anything away from people on ventilators, and I'll address that, yep. and I'm happy to. That, But vast majority of people right now are suffering that will have never had the need to suffer had they never turned on the television. Now, I'm going to ask you to expand on that. But right at that moment, somebody who's listening to this right now would be, as I refer to, super triggered by that. Super, super triggered. And they're going to be sitting here going, Peter, you're talking shit. You don't know what you're talking about. Blah, 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 blah. There'll be all this emotional response. But in between that, in between that trigger and that response is a story. And the story in there is, I can't let you be right, Peter, because if you are, then I'm fucking stupid right now. Yes. The, the mind's job. Understand this one thing. And again, I'm not addicted to being right, guys. And if it all turns out the other way, I'll put my hands up and say, I'm sorry. I'm, we have our right to express our own views. And my right isn't based That's upon view. My, my job's here to educate people to ask better questions so that they can make their own decision. Not to yes. force my model of the world on anybody else. I've got no right to do that. But please understand the role of the mind is to justify your current thoughts, actions, and behavior in line with your emotional state. That's its job, and most people forget that or they're unaware. Now, if you wake up and it's six in the morning and you're tired, your mind's job is to find you all the excuses why it's okay to press the snooze button. Right now, whether you act on that or not has, you know, based on values or uh, other pain, pleasure you know, projections, what have you. But if you're angry, your mind will come up with all of the justification as to why you shouldn't apologize. You shouldn't access humility or forgiveness and why it's the other person's fault. It's its job. Yeah. So if you're scared right now and you're bought into the mainstream narrative, your mind will be more committed to finding out the reasons why you're right than standing down off its egocentric soapbox and saying, well, hang on a minute, let me just see if I can ask some better questions. And if I still agree with my previous yeah, assessment, yeah. then fine. But at least I'm not being railroaded, right, blindsided by a mind who isn't objective. Does that make sense? 100%, 100%. And it's having the spaciousness to be able to do that. And that's yeah. not a skill that everybody holds and not a skill that everybody puts time into having. Correct. So I'm happy to just raise a couple of questions for people to ponder, and then they can go do their own research and come up with their own conclusions. Hmm. So let's and, go further uh, into what you said earlier on about this could end up being the biggest fizzer. Because here's the facts, right? As, as I said, again, I'm not getting into speculation. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna ask everybody to do their own research because you're all over 21 and, or 18 and, and doing, you know, you're, you're intelligent enough to make your own decisions. Yeah. This entire, 
and I've been saying this, you for, as you know, for weeks, this entire, I don't know what to call it, yeah, charade, yeah, global pandemic, whatever you want to call it, has been perpetuated solely by two stats that are driving everything. They are. New cases, death rates. Yeah. That's what everybody's dialed into. New cases, death rates. That's what's been pushed out as the mainstream now to hold this entire house of cards up. Yeah. Now, when you stress test those two numbers, they do not stack up anywhere near under scrutiny, under science, under mathematics, and under common sense. And when you start asking questions, you can pull out those cards. This entire thing falls down, which the media right now can't really afford to do. They will be moving towards it over the next, I think, week because you can't dodge reality for long. Yes. So let's just look at uh, new cases. Right, because the vast majority of the public, even today, I'm, I'm, I'm amazed, are not aware of this. They're not testing for the virus. No. People do know that by now, right? I mean, a lot don't. They're not what testing. What are they testing for, for Peter? Right? Well, they can't test for the virus for a start. There is no test for the virus. And if you actually go do the research, they never isolated the virus under any kind of scientific gold standard in Wuhan in the first place. But let's leave that aside. They, make, they made a theoretical assumption based on... Uh, certain factors that were not validated that it must be a virus. And they've isolated some nouvelle kind of one they haven't seen before, call it COVID-19, and now that's the thing that's running around eating us. But they're not testing for the virus underlying. Yeah, just hold that thought for a second. They're using the PCR test, the polymerase chain reaction test. Now, the creator of that test, the Nobel Prize winner that won the Nobel Prize for creating it, himself states it is a theoretical, fundamentally flawed theory. Now, what it does, it takes a swab and it takes a sample. Now, there's a huge amount of information in that sample genetically. Now, when I say a huge amount of information, it's a very small sample, but in that sample, there's a lot of data and a lot of noise, a lot of haystack and very small needle. Now, the needle they're looking for isn't the virus. What they're doing is they're hypothesizing that this virus will produce some level of protein antibody or sequence uh, that will create this viral load that will be linked theoretically to what we're calling COVID-19. And what they do is they amplify that millions of times. Yeah. Now, when you amplify that, you also amplify the noise and the room for error. Now, bear in mind, there's no link to the fact that what they're actually searching for is linked to COVID-19. There's no proof. It's a theoretical, wild-ass guess that the creator says is fundamentally flawed. That's point one. Yes. Second one is, okay, so what's the false positives? Well, go to PubMed because they're now being published. Upwards of 80%. Okay, just sit with that fact for a second. These are facts. 80% of the test, if you say, oh, you're positive for the virus. A, they're not testing for the virus testing some theory that may be linked to it, and 80% of the results are false positive, right? That's point number one. Now, here's the second point. We've never looked for this particular protein sequence antibody before with this test. So therefore, oh my goodness, it's showing up everywhere. We've never looked for it before. So therefore, if you suddenly, if you're a bird watcher and you walk through a wood, and every day you're looking for birds. And one day you're walking in the woods, someone says, excuse me, can you help me look for mushrooms? All of a sudden you see mushrooms everywhere. Didn't notice them before. Yeah. You weren't looking. So if you test the entire population with this PCR test, apart from 80% or 
let's leave aside the fact that it's fundamentally flawed in terms of its theory, and it's a, it's a guess. Let's leave aside that even the guesses that we think are right are 80% false positive. Let's just say that, hang on a minute, what they're saying well, can be triggered by virtually any of the 500 coronaviruses anybody's ever had based upon the algorithm and the theory that they're using. That they may and have so, in their system right now. Sorry? That they may have in their system right now, as you said earlier on. Or have had. Yes. If you've had this nouveau strain, if that's what they're blaming, eight months ago, you may not have even known because your soldiers are standing guard, immune system's doing its job, produce the antibody that's now showing up, oh, you've got the virus, right? Or you may have had a sneeze or a cough or thrown it off as millions of people do. There's no increase in current deaths over and above normal flu season rates for pneumonia right now. In fact, they're actually less than last year. Wake up, right? So that's the new cases. So, oh, we tested 100,000 new people, 20,000 new cases. Well, no, for a start, 80% false positive. Secondly, um, the people that you tested, most of them didn't have symptoms, which means that whatever's showing up could have probably, yes, the immune system's doing its job and didn't bother you, right? So this new cases stat, uh, 100,000 new cases, went out to a million and a half confirmed cases. No, we're not. Ask better questions. And the scientists and the doctors are now starting to, and I actually saw for the first time, somebody sent me a link, the BBC today are now finally starting to question because they can't toe that line anymore. They're now they need to seem like they're getting behind the public. Oh, wow. The doctors are being told that um, they have to put down COVID-19 as cause of death without even any tests. Complete medical malpractice, never been done in history before, which leads us on to the second stat. How are the death rates being calculated? Go on. Yeah, those are the two figures driving this whole charade, right? Yes. New cases. Dealt with that. Go do your own research. Uh, it's complete fabrication. This isn't an epidemic of a virus. This is an epidemic of testing. Right. Go do another 100,000 tests five years from now, and guess what? You'll suddenly be able to use a stat that says, oh, my God, 20,000 new cases. Well, no, the people are fine. Immune system's great. And the test is fundamentally flawed. And if you turn that stat into a fear-based response, you're most likely going to create more uh, reaction to opportunistic organisms. Death rates, how are they being calculated? We're taking the confirmed cases, all of which initially were based on the sickest of the sick because they were only testing people that were walking into a hospital with symptoms. Hmm. Vast majority of all of the stats were based upon the sickest part of the population that were dying anyway, a lot of them. They had comorbid conditions, some of them, several. So, and there was a doctor in, um, uh, on, I forget which news channel again, somebody sent over to me. My dog's here, bless him. I know, I get excited, don't I? No, I think that's <laughs> and, um, uh, and he's saying, hang on a minute, we've just received a seven page paper from the medical authorities saying, oh, uh, you must put COVID cause of death on the death certificates of COVID-19, even if there was no test, uh, if you think there might have been some link. That is malpractice. Who's, who's telling them to do this? Um, uh, I can draw up. I wouldn't have it in front of me. But I'll put it if you, so you can put it in the show notes. Because yes. it's a, in fact, if, you, if you go on Google now, you'll see it's been picked up by several major news channels. Yeah. And, uh, and the documents online as well, so people can actually see what was sent as guidelines to the yeah. doctors. It's absolutely just, but why? They have to maintain the charade. 
Because here's the thing, they did this with HIV and AIDS in the late 80s, early 90s, did exactly the same thing. If you had pneumonia and died, and you tested negative for HIV, you died of pneumonia. If you were just about to die of pneumonia and you tested positive, AIDS killed you. You're an AIDS statistic. That's how they recruited it. Right. That's how they kept the numbers up. Now, when less people, and uh, HIV, by the way, um, uh, it was linked to six causes of deaths from memory at the time. We're going back 20 years now, plus but six, uh, 30 years. Six causes of death. One was pneumonia, predominantly. Yeah. This is back in the days with the advert, with the gravestone. There you that. go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, show my age. Um, then what happened is the numbers and the worldwide pandemic that was meant to scare everybody and was getting billions in funding didn't happen. And so what did they do? All of a sudden they did some new testing and oh my God, there's a load more cases coming up. Keep the money flowing. No, there was no more cases. They widened the six parameters to 12, then 18, then 20. And they kept getting, oh, look, see, there's loads of new cases. No, if you had HIV and died of X amount of other things, we can record you as an AIDS, uh, AIDS statistic. That's exactly what they've been doing with Corona. Exactly the same. And it's coming out now in, in the mainstream press. They're starting to ask better questions. That's all I'm asking people to do. Ask better questions. Be free to believe what you want to believe. But with the AIDS there, you're saying, you know, the, if, the de- if, if, if the deaths don't turn up, then the research, you know, is, is, is not going to continue. And, and that, you know, therefore is being driven by research funding. What's driving this then? That's when you can start getting into a thousand rabbit holes of speculation. And again, I'm, I'm not addicted to any outcome. Yeah. And uh, I don't know, did you catch the, the David Icke episode with London Real? Yes. Yeah. I know David. I had dinner with David last year. We, we uh, did a joint keynote for 3,000 people on, yeah, he does what he does, I do what he does. And again, similar to Brian Rose, I, I don't believe everything that David does. He's a conspiracy theorist and you're always going to look through your own lens of confirmation bias. 100%. But you have to give people after, the space to talk. I am convinced he, especially in this situation, he is a meticulous researcher. And uh, so, and I loved what he did at the end of that interview when he brought it round to what the real empowerment for people here and the real lesson for people here is how do you surrender fear? Yes. That's the, that's the key. You can only be controlled with fear. That's what I put out in my video three weeks ago. The media yes. controls, historically, governments and media control populations through fear, right? Case in point. But the agenda we can talk about separately. I've, fin- I've just finished the last bit on the, on the death uh, stats. If you go to an elderly folks' home and you look at life expectancy, and you then take that as a projection on the global population of a mortality rate, you would probably call that pretty skewed data. Yes. Just as if you went to a kindergarten and looked at mortality rate and longevity, how much more long you've got left to live, and applied that to the general population. Completely skewed data. But what they're doing with the death rates is they're taking the average of the sickest people who were about to die or would have died anyway, and they're using that as a way to then extrapolate across the entire spectrum of people that have been tested with a test that is ineffective and say, right, death rates are. And what the public hear from that in the myopic, fear-based, low-intelligence state that they're in is, oh, if I get the virus, this is my chance of dying. Yes. And that was irresponsible. It is completely inaccurate. It is fear-driven and has zero basis in reality. And that's interesting because, you know, 
I'm going to put this out and people may well come back to me because I've already had, um, you know, I put the, I put the link out to Brian and David's discussion the other day and people are already giving me a load of shit for it and saying I'm being irresponsible and this discussion could be considered irresponsible yet we're just talking here. We're just men talking, having done some research and yet, if, you, if you've spent an amount of time diving into, you know, things like NLP or, or personal development or any of the words that we listen to that go on in our own minds, and then you listen to the words that are being used in the media to, to, to bring about incredible levels of fear. And, you know, we here in Western Australia, um, you know, we, we have the premier and the chief of police come out and I was listening to it today. And I, and I felt like I was a three-year-old being listened, being talked to at the moment. Yeah, I get that. And they have to project from their own model of the world. Because, again, another intelligent question to ask yourself, what lens is the information being fed through? Right? Again, intelligent question. The media has one goal. That's it. Don't kid yourself. It's not a public service. Even the BBC is not a public service. It's paid for by taxpayers' money. And if they don't get the ratings higher than other channels, then the commissioner gets fired and puts somebody else in. Yeah, but the commercial stations are fighting in a cutthroat industry uh, and they have one primary agenda. And every bit of information that they get access to that they then represent to the public is filtered through one primary agenda you can sum up in two words, eyes on. Yeah, That's it. Because if you're a, a statistic for them, then they can justify rate cards, viewing statistics and, and you know, commercial-based survival. And it's, it's, you know, it's not right or wrong, it's just what it is. But that's their agenda. If you think that the health, well-being, mental stability, and uh, your happiness is a higher agenda than how they're portraying information in order to get eyes on, you're in Disneyland. And as a result of that, how does the media get eyes on? What is the go-to every time it is the amygdala, which is the part of the brain that notices negative before positive, that is alert to fear? Fear is the weapon of choice for all media to recruit eyes on. Why? Because we have a part of the brain that distorts, generalizes, and deletes the vast majority of information that's coming in through our sensory data. Because we go, we go overload if it didn't do that. Well, we call it, it's called the reticular activating system. Yes. And that's why we notice what's important to us. So I'll share a metaphor with you that'll help people understand this. Imagine, yeah, there's a nightclub, we've all been there, there's a big line outside and you've got a bouncer at the door. And if your name's down, you get let in. If your name's not on the list, you don't get in. Pretty simple analogy, right? So your reticular activating system is the bouncer. So if something's relevant to you that's standing outside, it gets let in, which is why you can be at a party, have three conversations going on all around you with noise and you're involved in one specific one-to-one -one conversation and somebody 10 feet away mentions your name in a different conversation you hear it, right? Oh, what was that? The reason you hear it is because your reticular activating system, the bouncer is scanning everything, keeping most of the information out of your conscious awareness, right? It, it's almost like picking up the carpet and sweeping it underneath of your conscious awareness and anything that's flagged as relevant, like your name, for example, gets above the carpet and let in. Yes. Does that make sense so far? 100%. So yeah, that's why if you buy a certain car, you then see it everywhere. It was always in your peripheral vision, but it was swept under the carpet because the reticular activating system, it wasn't important to you. So it didn't come in.
However, there is one trump card that always gets over the carpet, that always goes through the front of the line, security. Security yeah. trumps the bouncer. Security is your amygdala. Security is designed to notice negative before positive because if you walk past a tree 10,000 years ago and you miss an apple, no big deal. But if you miss a snake, could be a big deal. Big so deal. out of all of the information being scanned, anything that flags up as potentially dangerous, fear-based, triggers cortisol, gets brought above the carpet into your conscious awareness. Now, mm. the media this. They are fighting for your attention out of the trillion pieces of yeah, information. Marketing agencies know this. Advertisers know this. Of course. Media people know this. They spend a lot of money on Madison Avenue and experts out of Harvard to design headlines that do one thing, trigger your amygdala. Now, guess what the C word has done? It's given them a gold bar on a platter. They have never had higher rating figures. They've never had more people glued to the screen, being fed and programmed because you don't get to vote whether or not you get programmed, but you can get to vote on how you get programmed. We're programmable by design. We know that. It's, yeah, every human social study will validate that. You know, if you've got a doctor and he can prescribe one of three different drugs for depression, for example, and they all do the same thing, there's no vested interest, and it's a random draw, and the patient's diagnosed, and he could give one of those three. But he's got a mug on his you know, coffee mug, a post-it note, and a pen with one brand on it out of those three. Under the illusion of free will, every study will show you that two-thirds of the time, way more than random chance, he will prescribe the one that he's been unconsciously programmed with. Yes. I put a video out on this called you know, The Truth About Brexit because everyone had been programmed with Brexit, 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 British exit, exit by the press. And guess what happened? 10% of people had a good argument for why they should stay. 10% of people had a good argument, understanding as to why they should leave. And 80%, right, hadn't really got a clue. They were just being influenced by various things. Brexit, Brexit, Brexit. And the polls are all about will, you know, will remain. What happens when it came to it? 49, 51, somewhere around there in favor of Brexit. Now, why? Because when it came to writing that prescription, instead of taking a random draw of what they thought, they really hadn't got a strong view. Some had, but the vast majority in the middle could have gone either way, and we're only looking 1% switch here that was needed. If the UK press had called it from the beginning, the UK stay campaign, not Brexit, we wouldn't be out of Europe now. Yeah. Right? You know? Because you talk to an average person in the street two, three years ago, they couldn't articulate the pluses and minuses and the you know, economic aspects. Nobody knew anything really, but random draw under the illusion of free will. So we get programmed whether we want to or not. Uh, it's, it's just how we are. And it's useful because it means we don't have to learn how to walk every day. It's just how the brain is wired. But if you're sat there feeding your information, fear-based virus running around the world, you know, killing people, you know, million new cases today, X amount of death rate percentage, and you're taking all of that in, my only question up to recently has been, uh, what is the tipping point where the governments who actually then get the scientists, yeah, the, the, the level-headed researchers and the experts that are starting now to question the fact that, well, hang on a minute, it's not actually how it looks. As I said, this thing will hit its stride and then people will start asking questions because all of the death rates won't come up. Now, you talk about another agenda, and I know we're not allowed to talk about, you know, the thing that comes after 4G, right? But 
there's a fair amount of science on that. Now, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but there's a one thing I do know is there are no long-term health studies. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I would like the benefits of that so I can watch movies. Great. But I'd also like to see what the actual data is on the safety of that. That's a fair comment to ask. Yes. Um, yes. It does look like it's oxygen and uh, it interferes with the uptake of oxygen from the cells. And have you seen what's now come out of the hospitals as a lot of the ER doctors step forward and question the medical paradigm? Uh, this is a great video that just went uh, hit the uh, New York Post and, and several others. An ER doctor in New York, Dr. Cameron Kyle Sedell, you can look him up, who basically said, listen, I'm an ER doctor. I was sent here to essentially treat people with respiratory syndromes to run an entire like set up hospital ward for corona victims. What I'm seeing here does not make any sense. They're on ventilators. And if we take them off the ventilators, they turn blue. We have to get them back on but their lungs are working fine. This is not a pneumonia. Ventilated, people are put on ventilators because the lungs can't work properly, so they need help. That's not the case here. The body's not getting oxygen, not because of the lungs. He said, and I'll quote, it is far more akin to altitude sickness. Hmm. It's like people, and this is the metaphor he used, have been put on top of Everest without having to have been given time to acclimatize. Their cells are not taking up oxygen. That's the New York ER doctor and now collaborated with many medical professionals that are seeing exactly the same thing. So A, we have a potential virus that causes flu-like symptoms. Guess what? Every single year. You know, there's a reason flu season's in winter, by the way, because you know, the immune system's compromised and therefore one of the trillion viruses can take hold. And yep. if you're compounding that with fear-based immunity compromised, you're gonna get more cases, even though there aren't really more cases. That's the virus aspect. Then you have this very strange, not operating like a virus, yeah, hypoxy oxygen deficiency that is causing people to die. And is this now, explaining that people dying? You said earlier on, you can explain why people are dying on ventilators. Because it's not because they've got a virus, an influenza virus, unless it's some new strain that we've never seen that there's no reference or supporting science to say it is. No. But oxygen deficiency and altitude sickness, and by the way, go look at the other doctors now that are treating COVID-19 patients on ventilators with the same protocols that they treat people with um, asphyxia or altitude sickness. They're getting good results. Strange that. And again, this will start to unravel over the next two to three weeks when the media can no longer con the public with those two stats that don't stack up to scrutiny. Mm. Uh, people start asking better questions as they start getting tired of this and a little desensitized to it. So yes, therefore, because even, because even even you can only press the fear button so long. It's you know it's like you know you can only yeah you can only press the fear button so long before it starts to extinguish. You know, yeah. and it. So we are going to start asking questions. We are going to, I mean, even, even, you know, the, the staying and locking in of home, you can only keep the human spirit locked up in, in a house for so long before it gets restless. 100%. And then, and I said, people will start turning against the media and they'll have to find a different reason to side and try and turn mm. into the public champion by exposing some scam. I don't know. That's that, that'll unfold. Oh, by the way, former head of Microsoft Canada, 
went online to say that, listen, uh, I'm privy to the information that the, what comes after 4G is dangerous. Right. Yeah. Uh, you'll see this in top industry professionals now, and plus 150 highly qualified scientists that all wrote to the United Nations saying, listen, stop the rollout, we need more tests. And again, I'm not saying it's the cause, I'm saying there seems to be some level of circumstantial link yeah. to the level of radiation that's put out uh, with that level of microwave frequency, which is people say, oh, well, 4G is only the same. No, if you stand next to a speaker on volume one, it doesn't damage your hearing. You turn it up to volume 10, it's going to damage your hearing. Yes. Right? Same thing. This is 10x what's been happened before. Yeah. So one impact on RF frequency at 60 gigahertz that shows oxygen disruption is well documented. That's, that's, that's just science. That's not a, you know, a conspiracy theory. So it may have nothing to do with it. It may be completely off radar. But let's ask some good questions and do some studies. So at least we're not saying pointing fingers and shouting at each other over what your belief and I believe. I don't care what the beliefs are. Let's, let's ask some questions. Where are the long-term studies? Because the only studies being done right now are essentially fudged and don't stand up to scrutiny and were short-term and designed with the agenda, the same agenda that pharmaceuticals companies that fund studies have, which is you know, whatever the data has to be or how it's represented in order to get our outcome, do that. You know, yes. When you strip all the translating and fancy words, that's pretty much what's going on. So with, the, you know, with, with that level of you know, RF, all of the fast-tracked, non-long-term studies, yeah, short-term, run it through, unlicensed, really has had that level of scrutiny only. If this no was studies. a tablet, if this was a tablet. It'll be pulled off the market. It would have never made it to market, which brings us on to another agenda. Pharmaceutical companies right now are suffering. It's getting harder to get your drugs approved. Yeah, and you know one of the things that ties back to this so beautifully? You can invest billion dollars in getting a new drug developed. You can do all the research, all of the studies, everything else. But there's one test that you can't fake no matter how much money you put into trying to influence. And it's the one where most of the drugs fall down. And it's the medical gold standard of the double blind placebo controlled studies. Yeah. Now, what does that actually say? Let's take a breath. A double blind placebo controlled study is essentially saying if your thoughts about a medicine can outperform the medicine, we won't give it a license. And most of the drugs fail that test. In fact, the number one best-selling uh, antidepressant of all time, mentioning no names, outperformed the placebo in clinical studies by 2%. In other words, you come in, you're depressed, I'm a doctor, and I diagnose you with depression, which is basically a... Yeah, how the outer world doesn't fit the pictures of what you want it to look like. So you, you, know, you generate brain chemicals that put you into a, a compromised state. And I say, don't worry, we've got this incredible new drug just come out. Trials are off the charts. It's going to ramp up your serotonin production. It's going to inhibit all of the you know, um, uh, stress-based response. It's, you're going to walk around feeling absolutely amazing. Don't take too many of these. They are, they're too powerful. But we are, one every five hours is going to be Perfect. I mean, I'm so happy you're on this because, you know, we've just got hold of it. It is perfectly designed for what you are. Hmm. Now, that's the level, that's, that's called programming, which is what the media has been doing to everybody recently in the wrong way. Yep. And I give you this sugar pill. 
98% chance that it's going to do exactly the same as the drug. Right? And there are studies, Bryn, you can go look at them. In fact, there's two books I would highly recommend people in this time if they want to empower themselves, if they want to play the, the fear game and go justify and, and get secondary gain from being panicked and all of that, which people do. It's great, no judgment. And that's they want to right. Yeah, if they want to empower themselves, there's two books I'd recommend. One, selfishly, is mine, right? Which, uh, yeah. without being a, a blatant plug here, because I'm giving it away, right? What's the tagline on that? Can you see? A special guide to conquering adversity. I wrote that three years ago. It is a how-to manual, and every day I'm getting letters from people that say, "Thank God I read that book because I'm I'm calm amongst the madness." Yeah, and that but, was yeah. when you were in a lockdown that was impacted on you, Pentonville Prison. Absolutely. Yep, I was the only non-criminal, never been arrested, still don't have a criminal record, and I was able to walk into the most violent prison in, in Europe and change lives, change, impact the system, win a national award for being able to, you know help so many people, stop suicides. Why? And walk in smiling, having lost my business, having lost yeah, all the stuff against a major bully boy multinational with millions of dollars more in legal expenses and learning a lot in the process. Right? And that was, that was my journey and that was great. But that was letters to my senior students to help them deal with whatever adversities in their life. And there is no better time right now to arm yourself with an internal tool set. Now, the second book I would definitely recommend, 1000%, Dr. Joe Dispenza, You Are the Placebo. Yes. Uh, program yourself with good knowledge, not mainstream media, not CNN, yeah. constant negative news. And that's what and we're if, doing now. 100%. If you're open enough to ask better questions. So you are the placebo. There's several cases in there. And it's, it's the best book I've seen that scientifically documents in one place the entire mind-body connection when it comes to health and how you have far more. And Bruce Lipton was live yesterday with Brian Rose uh, yeah. saying exactly the same thing. I've got a lot of time for Bruce, followed him since biology of belief. Mm. And there's cases on record, lots of them, of people that have been given you know, chest pains, had an x-ray, got into the doctor, oh, I'm so sorry, stage four lung cancer, you've got a few months to live, go home, get your affairs in order, you know, I mean, that, that's a bad day at the office, right? Yeah. <laughs> you go home, patient goes into, you know, fast, Depression, health deteriorates, becomes bedridden, dies pretty much on cue. Family require an autopsy, standard, no cancer. What? They go back and check, the guy was given the wrong patient x-ray. But died anyway. Because he was told he had stage four cancer. That's how powerful your brain is at producing chemicals and health states based upon your belief. Which is why Everybody now, if you get a cough and you're worried about a virus, you clearly believe it's the virus you're worried about. Oh, yeah, Not because one. you're programmed to hell. Not one of 500 coronaviruses that you surround yourself with every day. But if you've got a healthy immune system, you've got nothing to worry about. But and guess so what? Just, and so it's just come up now, just thinking about it, is, is all the advice, all the advice is about, you know, not getting coronavirus, you know, social distancing, you know, can't have groups bigger than two now. You know, if you have a funeral, it's only five people, this, that, and the other. It's stay away, stay away. Everything is messaged around not getting it. And so it's like our Brexit again, isn't it? Don't, you know, it, it's... The brain doesn't process negation, it which doesn't. is why billions of dollars in America yeah, about the drug war for teenagers just say no to drugs. Yeah. 
You, it, it, it didn't work. It was massively ineffective. Yeah. Drugs were not. Why? Because the brain doesn't process negation. If you say to somebody, parent, little kid, don't drop that plate. They'll do it. They often drop the plate. Why? Because the brain hears, drop the plate, don't. Yes. And some languages like French are structured like that. Yeah. But if you tell don't get the virus, don't get the virus, don't catch the virus. I mean, yeah. wake up. Yeah. Right. Where's the me where's the message right now? Of if you do this, you'll stay healthy. If you do this, you'll be functional. That doesn't well sell newspapers. No. That's not a commercially you know, astute agenda for somebody to tune into your channel. No. Then they're going to be happy and not be glued to the news to try to get the certainty back that you've just induced the uncertainty to be able to create the need for. I had a very very wise guest a few weeks back, Dave Andrews very wise man who basically was saying the key to health and well-being can be written in one little magazine and that's all you need to put into circulation but we need to sell more magazines so we have to keep coming up with new fads we have to keep coming up with this support the agenda what again the pharmaceutical companies their entire business model and everybody knows this is perpetuate symptoms or sorry perpetuate the suppression of symptoms never treat the cause a customer yes. cured is a customer lost. So, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. But now that's starting to unravel because correctly prescribed pharmaceutical drugs is one of the leading causes of death now in America, widely recognized and substantiated. So they're moving across to a different platform. What platform do you think they're moving to? I don't know. Vaccines. Why? And guys, again, please, people say, oh, you're anti-vax, you're a moron. No, I ask better questions. I'm very happy if you can substantiate in science yeah, that injecting me with something is going to be beneficial for my health, I'll take it. I'm, 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 I'm pro-health. I'm not anti-anything, right? But the science on vaccines does not stack up to good due diligence. And you see people that have been working in vaccines now, leading figures that are like walking away because the data long-term doesn't stack up. So, but we cured polio with the vaccine, the polio vaccine. Well, how come 80% of the world wasn't vaccinated? Right? What are you taking credit for? Right? So if you look at the actual stats, where the vaccines came from, the whole theory, you go back to you know, early 1900s, late 1800s, they were treating sick people. And most of the diseases were like diphtheria, cholera, typhoid, dysentery, low sanitation diseases that affected far more the poorer parts of the population than the wealthy that could afford sanitation, right? Yes. And so what happens? The poor people can't afford to pay for their treatment. So the business model shifted. Rather than try to address the 5-10% of the poorest people to stop them from, you know, save them from dying by giving them medicine, what if we actually address the wealthier 90 plus percent of the population with Who's something that would money. stop them getting sick? And the whole hypothesis of vaccines, which has never been proven. And if you look at the flu shots and actually drill down on it and you do the history, which they're quite happy to bury, but you can find it. It's, it's pretty open. Dr. John Bergman is a great resource for this. He put a great video out documenting all the historic you know, facts and figures. More people get sick and die who have received vaccines yeah, than as a percentage of the demographic than those that don't. And yeah, that's why the pharmaceutical companies had the law passed that says they are immune from prosecution of all of the bullshit and damage that they do with vaccines. So now they have, I can't be sued. 
we've got massive profits to basically go down a, a road where you know, we, it's far less approval. We're generating a massive need. And with the amount of fear, if you don't ask the right questions, the majority of people are going to be steaming into their hospitals with their sleeves rolled up saying, please fix me without asking smart questions about long-term studies, the efficiency uh, of vaccines, doing their research and actually not buying into propaganda that the World Health Organization has been promoting as part of its 14 parts of its 17 part agenda centered around vaccines. Yeah. Biggest contributors to World Health Organization financially. Now we call that lobbyists, by the way. Yes, lobbyists. Yeah. Bill Gates and Pfizer. Ooh. The World Health Organization is like the Federal Reserve. It's not a government independent body. Federal Reserve is, is a private company. The World Health Organization is a you know, sponsored, privately funded uh, or contributed to yeah. organization with agendas that we are starting to see do not serve the population. Just like the media's job is not to report the news. And everything's uh, agenda. It's, again, I'm not into conspiracy theories because most of the time you'll never find out what's true, so you're just wasting your energy on it. But I am into asking good questions that are pertinent without getting you know, sucked into a, a level where I'm breathing stupid gas and going with the flow. And that's really interesting because one of the questions I wanted to, to talk to you about is where is the balance between head in the sand and sending yourself equally as fearful, equally as neurotic, by going down the conspiracy theory rabbit Two hole. rabbit holes there. And again, it's, it's, the, it's, it's the end of the bell curve, isn't it? It's like, woo. Yeah, yeah uh, totally agree. And one thing to remember is, again, people can only ever project from the level they're at. Everyone yeah. is, is seeing the life through their own lens. Yeah, if you have a cancer patient, he goes to a surgeon, the surgeon's going to want to cut. You go to a doctor, he's going to want to prescribe drugs. You go to a radiologist, he's going to want to give you radiology. Yeah, you go to a chemo specialist, he's going to look at it through chemo. Go to a naturopath, yeah. he's going to come so up. I've got a it. hammer in my hand, I'm going to fix the world with it. Exactly. You, yeah, if you've got a hammer, you're not going to be soaring wood. Right, so we have to understand that that is a factor of people's projections. So in the beginning of this, they were speaking to who? Virologists who spend their entire life looking at viruses, projecting out yeah, virus scenarios and talking about how viruses spread because that was the intelligent thought and it made sense. Let's speak, if we think it's a virus, speak to the virus experts. But all you're gonna get from that is a projection of their model of the world. Now, if you'd have spoken to immune system specialists, which doctors aren't, because doctors don't know how the immune system works. They've got very little training in their medical yeah, uh, training on how that works, just like they have very little training in nutrition. Uh, and I say to people, if, if doctors are experts on health and what drugs to uh, uh, deal with, or what drugs to prescribe based upon symptoms. That's what they're trained. That's the training. They're not trained on how to be healthy. You go back to China and the Western world, uh, sorry, uh, the, East, the Eastern model, Western world, Western world could do with learning it. The Eastern model used to be that every family had a family doctor. And that family doctor was paid a monthly stipend. It was paid a, a monthly retainer, if you like. And that monthly retainer would stop if any of the family got sick. And the, doctor's job, and the doctor's job was to get the family well, and when they were well, he'd start being paid again. Now, we've got a model here that only rewards doctors, hospitals, yeah, trusts, if you're sick, pharmaceutical companies. Yeah, that's, 
it's it's a complete paradigm shift. But when you start saying, okay, let's, let's what rabbit hole we're going to run down? No, take responsibility and ask better questions. Don't get bored in with the herd mentality. Yeah, ninety miles an hour to nowhere is where most people spend their life running. Yeah, it's it's the crowd mentality and the media play on that. They know it. Governments know how to control populations. They've been doing it since yeah the dawn of politics, mm. right? So, and the the lens that they're looking through is I have to be seen to be doing the right thing when this all falls over. Right when this is when this is passed, which I think will be a lot sooner than later, depending on how fast we start asking better questions. The the governors, the politicians, whose agenda is not best interests of the country, the first lens it has to be filtered through is yeah, how does this affect my career, re-election, positioning, credibility, mm. yada yada. My next outing in the beauty parade, which is called an election. Yeah, so if they've got the World Health Organization, which they can't question because that's the authority from their perspective, just like you know, parents of my generation would never question a doctor who said, smoke camel cigarettes, it'll help you with your stress. Mm -hmm. So yeah, they, they have to defer to that because then they can't be lambasted afterwards for you know, being irresponsible because, well, we were just following what the World Health Organization was telling us to do. I get it, mm. but that doesn't make it True. That is a growing trend across the world of covering your ass and not taking responsibility and sticking a line in the sand and saying, I'm going for it. But that's a whole nother topic of conversation. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> that's the difference between a politician and a statesman. And the yeah. last decent statesman that the world had, I think, was Nelson Mandela. Yeah. Are you willing to be unpopular and risk your own career for what you truly believe to be the long-term greater good that would serve? And unfortunately, Politics doesn't support that just by the nature of how it's set up. It's it, it, it's the institutional consequence yeah, of yeah, the, the how do you put it of personal ambition. Yes. You know, so that's yeah, that, that's that's all at play. But I honestly think that within the next several weeks or when the dust settles on this, I can see the books being written already. You know, one's going to be called the Corona Nocebo, and yep. how most program to be sick. Uh, one's going to be uh, called the Corona hoax because the media were telling you it was a massive virus when chances are it's not looking that way. Yeah. And the science doesn't stack up. And the doctors are saying it now. The scientists are saying that. The virus, the virus hypothesis on this does not meet Cox postulates. Oh, no, ignore that. We're selling papers and yeah, we've got viewing certificates. Oh, ignore that. Let's show you all the people dying over here. Well, there's a huge amount of videos online now and a lot of nurses coming forward saying... What the media is telling you about how busy and how this silent death is pervading everything isn't what's happening in my hospital. Mm. And a guy it, just got three months in prison in England for filming an empty hospital. So right? again. Guy in England got three months in prison for filming an empty hospital. And the public turned on him because it was irresponsible. He wasn't practicing social distancing. He was out under curfew and, and siding with the narrative. Again, I'm not saying right or wrong. I'm just saying that... Yeah, uh, when when telling the truth is a crime or freedom of speech is taken away, you want to start asking questions about what's actually going on here. Mm. Now, if it is a virus and it is that contagious, which we're not seeing, what we're seeing is a epidemic of testing results that are being represented as a contagious virus, but it doesn't stack up. The links in the chain under a magnifying glass, under the naked eye, aren't stacking up when you start getting out of the, you know, the, the fear-based narrative. 
Right, so wh where's we going? Do you run down conspiracy? I say, waste of time. Let's see what the facts are. But when this is all done and the dust settles, there is going to be so many lawsuits. And, and I'm, I look at it from a higher perspective, Brent. Let's, let's, yeah. let's chunk up a higher consciousness here. I'm, I'm on a little soapbox here because I'm trying to wake people up. Yeah. And even that's waking them up to asking better questions and the answers to the questions they find support their current position. I'm cool. That's all I'm looking for. But at least you're consciously asking questions. You're getting Correct. triggered, you're getting poked to ask your own questions, make your own mind up. And that's Don't be what this is all about. Stop being a puppet on somebody else's string. Because the agendas that are pulling those strings don't serve your interests, they serve their interests. So cut the strings, take a breath, be responsible, do the right thing, as your premier is saying, but don't do the right thing under the guise of sucking up everything that I hear on the news as gospel. Because that's just, history will show you that that's just an unintelligent position to adopt. You know? But at a high level of consciousness, yeah, everything happens for a reason. Maybe the planet needed to take a breath. 100%. Maybe something like this was required so that six months down the line, the public will never trust the mainstream media and its fear-based agendas again and have to, there's a whole new uh, um, uh, uh, set of principles that they have to abide by in terms of fact-checking and representation, for example. Mm. This could turn out to be one of the absolute best things. But when you look at the people whose lives have suffered, the 30-year-old family businesses that are in bankruptcy, the yes. owners of those businesses that have had heart attacks, the people committing suicides at much higher rates, uh, the, the fear-based domestic, domestic violence that's happening, the, the, the fear-based opportunistic organisms that are taking hold of people and putting them into a state, all of the operations that have been cancelled because of empty hospitals. Right, that are making people suffer. When you see all of the damage that's been perpetuated, it may be the wake-up call that people actually have after this that was required, and it may be beautiful to have brought people together in a different way, to yeah. reshift the values. So rather than me focused uh, thinking the most important thing right now is where do I plan to go on holiday, I start to reevaluate my priorities and start thinking the most important thing is how do I spend time with the people that I care about uh, and this has brought me closer to understanding that, you know, true values don't live in a comfort-centric environment. They live in a growth-centric environment. Yeah. There's a lot of lessons here. What will unfold? We'll all see. But one thing I am certain about, and this is my invitation to people listening, right? We all start in the movie of our life. And I know that you guys are the star in the movie of your lives because you're the only one that's in every scene of the movie of your life. Your job is to act in accordance with what is your truth, how do you become the best example of who you are in your movie? Because you've got two types of movie. You've got an example and you've got a warning. Now, unfortunately, billions of people now have been recruited as unpaid film extras in the big budget Corona movie. Yeah. yeah it's a pretty poor career move, to be fair, as an actor. <laughs> if you on the back end of this, if you can, you've got a phenomenal example right now of rather than running with the herd down 90 miles an hour down Fear Street uh, and Assumption Avenue, if you instead can be the example for the people around you, your spouse, your kids, of the person that was calm under pressure, the person that says, listen, I don't know what's going to happen, 
We can't control what we can't control. What we can control is how we program ourselves and the kind of information we have and the interactions we have with each other. We can control how what thoughts affect our immune system. We can control what we put in our bodies. We can control yeah, the ability to handle uncertainty and build that muscle. Yes. And a your kids are so you. weak. Yeah. For most people, because one of the one of the best things that's come out of this, and I, I hate to use that term because again, I don't want to be seen as someone that doesn't have empathy for people suffering, because of course I do. But one of the, the, the greatest lessons that's come out of this is that it's taken everybody's certainty blanket and pulled it to show them that there was no certainty to begin with. Yeah. And it went like that. You know, it's like, hang on a minute. Your grandparents were called to go to war. You're being called to sit at home for two weeks. Uh, you're trying to create safe spaces and social distancing. A safe space for our grandparents was a bomb shelter. A hundred years ago, before the invention of antibiotics, you know, penicillin, you had a level of uncertainty gardening. If you got pricked by a thorn, you could die of septicemia and there's nothing you could do about it. They were the kind of risks that people accepted and lived with every day. And in today's world of Big Mac, large fries, I get upset if Starbucks runs out of caramel sauce and I want the latest iPad. Yeah, yeah. and I'll go on Facebook and slam a restaurant because it was a crappy meal or litigate and shit like yeah. that. We've had a wake-up call on what really matters to be human. And if we can take that as a lesson out of this moving forward, because there will be other challenges, that's what life is about. You know, my, my video at the beginning of the year, somebody asked me, he says, Pete, what's 2020 going to hold, do you think? I said, I can tell you exactly what it's going to hold. Same as the last year and the next year and the last 500 years and the next 500 years. Challenge and opportunity. And when you own that for what it is, you can come out of this stronger rather than be beaten down by it. I don't care if it's a traumatic divorce. I don't care if it's an abused childhood. I don't care if it's a bankruptcy. I don't care if it's a, you know, a stage four cancer diagnosis. There are people around the world that have had all of that and will tell you it was the best thing that ever happened to them because of who it made them after. And if you've got an opportunity right now to be able to do that. You know, I remember something my, my mother said, uh, she's, uh, both my parents have passed away for the last 10 years, but my mother said something to me. And I'll leave this as a, as a final thought for people. Uh, my mother said a, a little off-cuff statement that had a really profound effect. I don't think she ever realized you know, before she died how much of an impact it had. And I was 12 years old, typical cocky 12-year-old. You know, you're the age where you, you now know you're more intelligent than your parents. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. And I was moaning about, I wanted to stay up and watch some film that my friends were wanting to watch. And she, no, you go to bed, you, you know, do your homework, you know, whatever. And I'm like, well, I, I can't wait till I'm an adult. Because when I'm 18, you won't be able to tell me what to do. You know, when I'm all, of the, all the usual egocentric, center of the world BS that you know, yeah, typical yeah. You know, wannabe teenager is all about. I remember my mom turned around to me. Because uh, I'm like, you know, I can't wait till I'm 18. And she's like, son, she said, don't wish away your childhood. You only get one of them. And I'm like, well, hang on a minute. Right now, I don't have to worry about mortgages. I don't have to worry about all the big people problems. I don't have to worry about anything. I get yeah, food put on the table. I go to school. I, yeah. Okay. And I get to enjoy being a kid. I get to go ride my BMX that I probably wouldn't do if I was an adult. I don't see many adults doing it. All this kind of stuff. And my message to people here is, yeah, we don't know, but you may only get one lockdown. Yeah, for the next five years. Don't waste it. 
Don't wish it away. When this is all over and you're back to the nine to five craziness, you may think, wow, I wish I had more time with the kids. I wish I had more time to sit and read and program myself with stuff on my terms without the hustle and bustle of having to dive into the car mm. and, and be somewhere. Yeah, you may only get one lockdown. Enjoy it while you can. And after this lockdown, who knows where we're going to be? Now, we, haven't even, we haven't even talked about what's happened to the financial system. Again, you're the star of your movie. Your job is to be the best example of what you can be. Don't get caught up in pointing fingers on how other people you think should be acting in their movies. That's yeah. a fool's game. Right? There are challenge and opportunity. There's more opportunity now in the market than there has been for a long time. There's more opportunity now because people are more motivated through fear than any other time. For you to be able to provide an authentic solution to that will be a beacon of light so you can gain trust and people will think, wow, I want to be like that person who didn't go to pieces. You don't know what's unfolding from this. Ask better questions. Bring the blood back to the front of your brain. Take a breath. Don't try to control what you can't control. Yeah, manage the limiting information that's coming through through agendas that don't serve your interests. And I'm pretty sure that when this all dies down, we'll look back at it, hopefully, with having some bigger muscles been built to handle uncertainty, which can only be a good thing. Peter Sage, that's been awesome. Pleasure, my friend. We're here to surf. Thank you so much. Love you, man.